Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I have no idea what we're going to talk about today. There's like nothing going on in Warriors land. I know we might have to start talking out of our butt cheeks. It might be, uh, yeah, we just have to make stuff up. Um, I think uh, obviously everybody knows what the big topic is in Warriors land today. And it is about none other than Draymond Green and Jordan Poole. Now, I have a little bit of a timeline because... I, I we read everything. I read everything that the athletic puts out. I'm like looking at certain quotes. I'm trying to figure out, you know, how guys are feeling about certain things. And so I've put together a little, uh, just a, you know, a, a off season preseason timeline that could or could not have something to do with what happened between Draymond Green, Jordan Poole. If you were not paying attention, there was a fight at practice yesterday everybody has said at least who have gone on record uh has been you know jordan Poole didn't really do anything and he's fine and so not really saying it but saying it that it was kind of draymond's fault draymond apologized to the team today and uh let's just kind of break this down i'm interested in some of the things and you can interrupt me as i go through this so one of the one of the things that we've kind of been interested in is this evolution of Jordan Poole. And we've, we talked about this, I think it was on the last show where what's the prioritization of getting the contracts done. It's, it's Jordan Poole. And then it, then is it Wiggins and then is it Draymond or is it clay? And so there, there's like a hierarchy and it seems pretty clear that Jordan Poole is the most or is the highest priority for the Warriors right now so let's just keep that in mind as we discuss this Dante DiVincenzo did an interview with Anthony Slater and he said that when he when that when the preseason started that the first team was kicking the second team's butt in practice and the second team would uh would be with that would not have Jordan Poole on it because Clay is not currently practicing. So Jordan Poole would have would have been on the first team playing with Steph, Draymond, uh, Looney, and Wiggs, and Dante on the second team. So Draymond and, and Jordan Poole probably playing together in this scrimmage. 
When the Warriors were in Japan, and we'll talk about the preseason in a second, Clay joked about humbling Jordan Poole when he and Steph took on Poole and Moody in the three-point shootout in Japan. He joked, Jordan Poole did like a pretend, I still I still am not really envisioning this correctly, but he did sort of some pretend mock uh, reporter session or something, and then Clay joked, oh, he's trying to take y'all's job too. So that was a stiff, that was a stiff Heisman by, by Clay there. On Draymond's podcast, which I believe came out a couple days ago, Draymond said he liked seeing Jordan Poole humbled and that Jordan Poole was very confident before the shootout, but then he was passive aggressive after losing the three-point shootout to Clay and Steph. Uh, as we know, based on last year, Jordan Poole got some guidance from Andre Iguodala. There was the story that I believe is Anthony and Marcus wrote where uh, they mentioned that Jordan Poole had gotten upset and threw a basketball and hit a monitor or something. And Andre was like, you know, you got to take it out of his check. It's not coming out of everybody's check. And so there was this idea that, you know, Jordan Poole had some, some time, some tough times and he needed that vet guidance to, to sort of help get him through. And we go back to this contract situation beginning of this beginning of, I think it was on media day. Actually, they asked Draymond about his contract situation and he pretty much said that he didn't think that it would get done. But when they talked about like how he would vision it, you know, is it going to bother him? He said, I think the way a contract situation will weigh on me is totally different than the way it would weigh on a Jordan Poole who has never signed a big contract. So we fast forward to Bob Myers today. Bob Myers said, all punishment is internal, but he didn't think, he specified this piece, that he didn't think it was contract related. They thought the beef was a normal practice basketball beef, though there could be frustrations underneath that as to why that could have happened. What did Steph say today? Steph seemed to uh, poo-poo the notion that maybe Poole was uh, feeling himself a little bit and, and being a distraction or whatever that report was. Steph said, nope, Jordan's been great. Steve Kerr said, nope, Jordan's been great. That's, dis that's misinformation. Uh, and Steph seemed to lean towards Jordan Poole even. like Almost like, I don't know if he was disappointed in Dre. I couldn't really, I couldn't tell. Uh, but you know, when they asked him about the apology, he was like, well, you got to ask everybody else how it landed with, with them. So who's the, who's the person who I look to in, in this time uh, of need and guidance? It is one Andre Iguodala. And he tweeted last night that I was waiting for this last night. He tweeted and it said, what we not going to do is talk crazy about my young fella. JP great character kid. Miss me with all that other BS straight from the source. And he says, and it's family business with my bro, Money Green, too. So in this situation, it seems like Andre is, again, similar to Kerr, similar to Steph. No, Jordan's not a problem. Like, Jordan is fine. Jordan's having a great preseason. 
all of those things being said, do you think this has something to do with the idea that Draymond is not their top priority when it comes to extending his contract? And also that, you know, Jordan Jordan Poole is a really good player right now. And, you know, that that maybe that big brother, that big bro, tough love, maybe it doesn't land as softly as it did last year before they won the title. What is your take on all the things that are happening here? Yeah, I mean, I can I can read all the reports and listen to Steph and Bob and all those guys. And I think they're probably right. Like, I'm sure at the moment, it didn't seem like it was anything related to the contract. It was just Draymond got heated in the moment and then took it out on JP. I'm sure JP wasn't completely like, didn't say nothing, but I don't think he said anything to warrant a punch. But it's I think it's definitely got to do with, and no matter how much Dre says it, like I approached this contract having a contract year different than JP might because JP's never had a big contract. I think Draymond is like, uh, like subliminally or, you know, deep down uh, processing that Jordan Poole is going to make more money than him. Um, that, I think that's, I think that's a thing. And now I, I don't think like, like if you're Draymond over the course of Draymond's career, he has made, a lot of money, more money than Jordan Poole as a vet, as somebody who's been in this league for a while. So it's not that. It is the all of a sudden what Jordan Poole does on a basketball court is more highly valued in the league than what Draymond Green does on a basketball court. And that has nothing to do with winning, right? It has nothing to do with you what you've done prior it has everything to do with what we expect you to do going forward. And I wonder how much of this is going to be a thing once that cap spikes that we were talking about uh, last week or a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know, the idea that the cap is going to go up and all these people are going to start making way more money. And you kind of want to get your opt out like right around the time that the cap goes crazy or else, you know, you you become underpaid in a sense and this is this is going to be a bigger thing uh i wonder how much of it had to do with the tyler harrow contract going uh you know all the way up to 130 now some people say that at least uh some some stuff that i've read think that some of that is some things that that he would have to get to statistically that he may he, he probably won't get, get it. to it's it's uh it's four for 130 but 120 guaranteed the extra 10 in incentives is like yeah, so MVP defensive player of the year. First 120, team yeah. 120 is still 30 higher years. than what we thought that Jordan, like everyone sort of earmarked Jordan at 100, right? But now all of a sudden it's higher than 120. I'm sure that's what Jordan, the agent is looking at is mm -hmm. whatever the guaranteed money is for hero. We're better than him. We should make more money than him. Yeah. And so all of those things, if you're Draymond and you're just like, you know, all the tough love and all the things that we did for this guy. And Andre was telling us last year, right? Andre was telling us last year, Jordan Poole's going to get paid like that. That was, that seemed to be some of the inspiration for Andre was to help get this guy paid. And like you said, he's going to get paid more than Draymond. And it, and I think Dray, what, Draymond's probably in like the 26, 27 range right now, as far as his yearly, and if you and if it's four for 
for 120 or more, that is $30 million a year, and that would be higher than, than what Draymond. Now, I don't think that this is only about that. I don't think that Draymond is this petty guy, but I do think someone at his competitive level and his value and what he believes he does on the court when it comes to winning, he has to have a high expectation, a high ego. Um, but I don't think that's the only reason that he could possibly get angry. It's it's probably a bunch of other things. Some of it is this dynamic, right? If you are Jordan Poole and last year, these vets are riding you hard. And this year you come in with being a title winner. You got that one ring or you're about to get your one ring. And then you're probably kicking butt in practice, right? If before Clay, Draymond, they're kind of teaching you how to how to play, how to be a pro, and then you come back, and I have no idea what's going on. I just keep hearing Jordan's having a great camp, Jordan's having a great preseason. But if Jordan is balling out, he may not want to take that smack necessarily, right? It may not be, it may be a little bit more of him giving it. So there's some dynamics at play here. But I just thought it was interesting, like all of like once this thing happened, I started to think of all of these little quotes that I was reading and how it possibly relates to this scenario. Mm -hmm. And what I wonder, uh, you know, they they said, I think Draymond's going to be back on Saturday. It doesn't look like he's going to be suspended, but they did send him home. And like I said, he did apologize today. Um, But the one who I'm kind of thinking about is Clay because of that comment where he said he's trying to take my job. Now, as as long as Clay plays basketball and is somebody who continues to get buckets, I, I think just by the seniority of this team, he's probably going to keep starting. But maybe mm-hmm. their minutes get a little bit closer to, to matching up. Uh, and I and I I'm, I think that, but but who knows? Maybe that is in sort of the contract situation here for Jordan. He's like, yeah, I kind of want to start, you know, like uh, I want more minutes. I want to play more. And mm, I don't know if that's in it or not. It could be, could not be. I'm sure everything is on the table when it comes to negotiations, but uh, Clay's the one that I'm kind of worried about because if, if it is this thing where, you know, Jordan is coming up and Clay, like Clay's not, practicing or not scrimmaging right now right like he like they don't even have they don't even plan to have him play uh there was a there was a tweet by slater that i'll, I'll find in a second here but that's the uh, the other piece of this is i'm kind of wondering like what's going on with clay it seems like there's definitely like a mental thing that he needs to get over because of how he hurt himself in the past but for that to happen now seems a little weird to me. I just I hope that there's no secret injury. I I, I wouldn't I can't imagine that there is, you know, the that that probably would have come out at some point. But he's not gonna play Sunday. And there's still Slater reported today that they're still cautiously easing him back into game action. Like what do you think about this clay scenario as it relates to everything? Uh, I mean, when you were saying you were looking forward to seeing what Iguodala had to say, I kind of wanted to hear what Clay had to say. I thought that would have been an interesting take on everything. Um, like, what what is my opinion on what Clay thinks? I guess. Well, just how does how does he fit into this whole thing? Because he's like, if he's got this mental frustration over not being able to play, 
He sees Jordan coming over his shoulder. The less Clay is on the court, who's going to take his spot? Yeah. The guy who he's worried about taking his spot. Yeah. I I mean that's I mean that's a fair way to look at it. I didn't totally picture in Clay to the scenario, but I mean I I totally get where what you're saying there. Um is a dream on sticking up for Clay in a weird way. I don't know. I was going to more say along the lines of like on trying to understand where Draymond's coming from, if he's been like, has some pent up stuff inside of him. Mm -hmm. Like if you look at like where the league is, it values and puts scores, people who could put the ball in the basket as their poster child. Shot creators. Yeah. Shot creator. Yeah. People who could put the ball in the bucket, man. And you look at Twitter and it's always the thing with Draymond with triple single and you know, like (laughs) the backpack, the backpack. I'm more trying to say that like a lot of people, who I feel like don't value the game, but it doesn't help that that the league and how you're paid doesn't totally see the value. But like Draymond's probably the second most valuable player in the whole championship run, the whole four titles they have. He's probably overall second most important. So it's like, you know, if he's not getting paid to show that he's the second most important on Twitter, you see triple single, you're saying you see people making fun of him because he's not scoring. I, I could I could see how that can get to you a little bit, regardless of how credentialed you are as an NBA player and as an analyst. It's like, like I watched the guy, and obviously, you know, when I was playing, that's who I tried to. I don't know if I tried to model, but that's kind of definitely who was more of my comparison. Not I'm not an NBA player, but I couldn't really score the basketball, and I was really good at playing defense, and and I, I had a good IQ, so I just always thought I played a little like Draymond. But you know, obviously, Draymond, I, I just think he he brings so much value to value that you can't necessarily see on a stat sheet is, is what Draymond does. And and I feel like that's just not valued in uh, when it comes to who gets paid. He's also got, he's also always playing with a chip on his shoulder. That is part of why he is so good. He is looking for reasons to have to prove somebody wrong. Right. So maybe it could also be that he's coming into camp. He wants to have an excellent year because he wants to show the warriors like, you know, you may value some of the things that you value, but don't forget about me. And he does have the player mm-hmm. option. He can he can opt in at the end of the season and have one more year with the Warriors and then be a free agent next year. Or he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to uh, opt into that player option, and he could be a free agent. So there is also uh, some questions about what his basketball future is going to be like. And... You know, ultimately, I think that I always, you know, I always want to hear what Andre says, but just because he looks at it in such a, I think, in, in such a unique way that uh, I think some people may not think about until he he speaks. But ultimately, the guy who really matters is is Steph. And so that's why it was very interesting to see Kat, Steph kind of come to Jordan Poole's uh, side a little bit. I don't think he's anti-Draymond. I think he loves Draymond probably the most out of everybody, right? Like, that's his guy. And maybe Steph not okaying what Draymond did is the message to Draymond. You know, Steph's not going to down-talk Draymond, but by not plus one, you know, plus one-ing Draymond, that, that is a way to say, okay, dude, like, you know, that that's probably not the right thing to do. Uh, and and it, it is also interesting. Everyone comes to to Poole's defense, right? Steve Kerr, mm-hmm. uh, Steph, like uh, Andre, and so by that notion, it does sound like Draymond was the one who was in the wrong, and at least in their eyes, when it comes, I to definitely think Draymond was. Practice. 
especially how they responded. And you look at how, you know, it was kind of pictured in the media, the first couple reports um, where it was like, you know, Jordan Poole might be acting a little different. This might have to do with salary. Like then they mm-hmm. were just like completely denied that there and them denying it is kind of taking Jordan Poole's side. Yeah. Because yeah. like the, yeah, because the reports were saying he comes in with a different type of energy now. And then they're saying like, no, he's still the same guy, <laughs> but he's a unique uh, cat though. Right. Like he's like his, his arc or his origin story in the NBA did not start well. Like they, like there was talk about, gosh, you know, the Warriors missed on this pick and the guy just refigures it out going to the G league and then coming back and being vital at the end of that run where the, where the Warriors lose the play-in. And then last year, he's taking advantage of Clay not being healthy. And he, you know, he he's the sixth man of the year. I don't really care who won the sixth man. Jordan Poole's sixth man. Hero. Of the year. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. But man, you know, he just he just played so well when they needed him to, and he fit in and he does things in the way that they need him to. And, you know, if Steph ever loses a little bit of that you know, athleticism or ball handling or creative ability, you know, maybe, maybe Jordan Poole is the one who can pick that slack up. So, you know, I, I, I didn't mean to really tie clay into this in any way, cause he's obviously not involved, but just kind of thinking ahead and thinking about what clay had said in, in Japan. Uh, I do wonder, like, you know, I wonder if clay's kind of looking over his shoulder and, and a little yeah. worried, but you know, the other thing <laughs> If you're Clay, this is both a good and a bad thing. Clay's the second highest paid player on this team, but he's also way overpaid compared to the rest of his his teammates. And so if you're looking to cut salary, like his his number is like the big one that you draw the circle around, but he's also very beloved. We 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 do not want him to go anywhere, but yeah. I imagine his negotiation. Uh, will not be as clay friendly. It, would, it may all be, it may be like, Hey dude, like, you know, you, you got hurt and we were just paying you tons and tons of money. Like we need to, we need a little discount here. And that, what that's did he make 80 million, like sitting at an honest couch. Like it was two years he missed. And yeah, what is he yeah. making? Like $40 million a year. It's like, I think it's over 40. It's definitely one of the worst contracts in like recent history, just in terms of like, he didn't play for two years. So that's two years of it that your salary was, you know, kind of capped a little and yeah. he was the reason why and and they still were able to do it with with the salary yep. being what it was i mean it speaks a lot to the front office speaks a lot to joe lacob um but okay so let's put the drama to the side a little bit because there was some cool news there was some good stuff happening in warriors land uh warriors went to japan and they won two games out in japan i was a little frustrated because i got league pass at the last minute just to watch the first game that was at like was it like at three in the morning Ten. oh oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's like at three in the morning yeah and so i'm like okay i'll just get it and then they'll have it on demand for me you know when i wake up and then i go into the app and like there's no on demand i was like what the heck? what's going on here how come they're not showing it but i guess it was an nba tv game not necessarily a, a league pass game so I didn't get to watch it, but I did watch uh, all the scoring highlights. YouTube does a pretty good thing. And this is kind of a little inside, uh, you know, a little tip here for people who are, are trying to cover basketball and uh, do podcasts and stuff. The NBA's YouTube channel, 
they give you like a 10 minute cut of the game, which is nothing but just the scoring. Like you just see all the buckets over. So you, 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 you don't, you know, you're going to miss a lot of nuance, but if you were trying to get something out of it, out of these games, you could watch the little 10 minute cut. And so that's what I did for, for game one. And that was the, uh, the Wiseman game, right? Like that was the, the game where Wiseman had, I think he had 20 and he's crushing lobs and he's looking really athletic to the point where Bill Simmons is like, He's a pretty big guy. He's kind of long. <laughs> like, yeah, no kidding. The dude's 7'3". That's why we were dying last year to see him play, to see him put it out there before the playoffs. But um, and and then we got to see a little a little PB and J. We got to see some uh, Ryan Rollins, uh, Moody and Kaminga. So game the first two games against Washington, who stood out to you? in a way where you were kind of like, oh, this may change my opinion about the rotation or, or about who's going to go to uh, Santa Cruz or, you know, that whole thing. Um, Wiseman obviously was the clear first game. Like, wow. I think what wowed me more was that I had a picture of what I thought Ryan Rollins would be without really diving into the tape. Mm-hmm. Like too much. And I was like, okay, this guy's going to like just be the smart player, make the right read, play really good defense. And on plus minus, and as I'm watching, like I listen to plus minus and like, no, like this guy's like a go get your bucket type of guy. <laughs> yes. And I was like, I didn't realize that. And so DiVincenzo was more put into the role of making yes. the right play, passing a little bit. So I think that definitely changes my perspective on what DiVincenzo can bring to the table in terms of what his role might be for this team outside of just playing defense and shooting threes might be more playmaking in there too. Uh but yeah, PBJ, man, he is like what he is. He's a coach's kid. I think he said it himself. Like he just mm-hmm. does the right things. He's he's smart. He plays a he plays above what like the rookie label is, you know, making those dumb mistakes. Like I don't think he'll have as many. I think Andy, Andy Lou said that uh, he said that Moody and PBJ are Kerr guys and Kaminga and Wiseman are Lakeup guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good but, way to put it. Yeah, I mean Moody and Moody and uh PBJ they do they do the right stuff, man. They're uh they're good they're 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 smart and it's fun to watch especially at PBJ's age that he's not really making any dumb errors, you know? So, I like some of some of what he had in his bag and yeah, PBJ was a fun watch. Uh, Jamichael Green, I feel like I expected a little more. I, I've kind of been pumping him up on this pod as like a direct Auto Porter Jr. replacement. Like, mm-hmm. literally come in and be Auto Porter Jr. I still believe that, but uh, it didn't really look like much in Japan. Uh, maybe he just needs some more minutes because Auto Porter Jr. wasn't like, you know, the same type of minutes right when he came in versus what he was towards the end. So, the. I guess the thing that I was uh, not to say disappointed, I wanted to see Kaminga kind of show off more skill uh, on the court. And he looked very similar to how he ended the season, whereas Moody looked way more confident. And we saw, you know, some of those summer league games where Moody was just, you know, playing so, so well. You're like, okay, Moody shouldn't be playing in these games anymore. Mm-hmm. But I I do what, because Kaminga's kind of like the darling of, of last year, right? He's the seventh pick. He's the guy in a who, loaded draft class. The guy who, you know, ooh, did 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 people miss? Should Kaminga have been a higher pick? And so he showed all those flashes. He can go above the rim. They're they're getting him lobs. He's crushing stuff. 
um, just jumping higher than than people expect him to. And then so now what's this year? What the this year's like the evolution of it for him. And it looks like to be a little bit of a slower evolution. But you got to remember, like he's still a really young guy. His basketball skills are are still being strengthened and sharpened. And also the other thing that is, you know, when you see guys like um, Jalen Green and, you know, the, some of the younger players from last year, they're going to take a leap this year. And some of that is because they had so much run last year where Kaminga didn't really get that run. So he's going to be a little bit behind when it comes to the overall minutes and the, and the reps that, that those guys will have. But you're hopeful that his basketball intelligence and his winning intelligence is heightened because he was able to play last year all the way. You know, I don't, I did even log, I mean, he, he logged garbage minutes in the finals, but he, you know, I, f- I feel like he logged some pretty good minutes in the first round. Uh, I, don't I don't think remember. he did in the second. I don't think he did in. Uh, he logged those minutes against the Mavs in Game Four, where the reserves almost came back. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There you go. That was like the yeah, only significant it. playoff game for him, though. Yeah. So I would like. I would like to see, or I'd like to read more about his evolution because I don't. What I don't want to see happen is people go like, "Oh, this is the Kaminga who you know all the draft people who said he was going to be X, Y, and Z, and he's like." you know, young and, and he's just kind of, he's like a mold you got to mold this ball of clay. I want to see him take that next level. He's not going to, he's not going to play 30 minutes a game like some of these other guys, but if he can, if he can force himself into that rotation and get 15 minutes a game and shoot that ball consistently, uh, I think, I think that's like even more important to, uh, to, to them than than some of this other stuff because I think we're already sort of earmarking Moody as like yep Moody's going to be good he you know he'll have his young player moments but he's already he already plays like a vet um, you know who who knows about about Green and, and what his role is going to be at least right now but Divincenzo you know oh yep Divincenzo plays basketball the right way he's pass first he's he's going to be more playmaker than. Uh, uh, than 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 Rollins, which which we definitely saw, which is kind of a weird thing to me, because if you're Rollins and you really want to make this team, you go okay. What does this team need more? Mm-hmm. Do they need more shooting and scoring, or do they need more more ball handling, ball handling and playmaking? And I would have thought ball handling and playmaking, but maybe that's just not who he is. Because Divincenzo, no, that's what I think it is. I just I don't think that's who he is, and I just yeah. thought the opposite. Because DiVincenzo's a essentially he's a a small two, and they're having him uh, play one. Yeah, I think more on the Kaminga thing. Like I, I believe, I personally believe. I'm not sure if I've said it on this podcast. I may have said it on my podcast, but I believe that, and I think it's just a regular, uh, easy thought to come up with. But there are players who I believe that they need to develop a certain way, and it doesn't mean they're worse or they're better. Like for LaMelo Ball, how everyone's like, oh, LaMelo should have gotten drafted by number two by the Warriors. Like, I don't think LaMelo would have been LaMelo had he had to play under a system his first year and not just get the reps and the touches that he got in Charlotte to become that guy. I think that's the same for a Jalen Green in this. Uh, I think that's the same for you could look at up and down guys who need to be the number one guy, guys who need to go be I five seconds off the shot clock. I need to go get a bucket. I think those guys need the keys to the offense right when they come into the league to go through the bumps and the bruises and then to take that jump in the second and third year. I think a guy like Jalen Suggs, 
would have been perfect in the Kaminga role. Just of like, I just need to sit and soak up everything of a championship team of just, you know, not being the guy right away. I think that would have benefited a guy like Jalen Suggs. Um, I think that would have benefited. Who else am I thinking of? Uh, like a Jabari Smith Jr. Ah, there's a couple other guys who I had in my who I've been using as examples, who I'm not entirely remembering right now. But I think I just don't think Kaminga would have totally benefited from just getting the keys to an offense and just going to try to cook in Orlando or an OKC. Like I don't think it would have been that pretty, you know. And for him though, I still think it is beneficial to to go through what he's going through. Ideally though, I think he should have been a more staple man in this rotation for the second unit. I think it is for Moody, like, although he is looking more sharp, Kaminga's the better player at the end of the day, in my opinion, just what Ellie, he could become. You, more talent, like higher ceiling. Talent, you're talent. And, 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 and for positional need for the Warriors, he kind of just is the odd man out. But I think for his second year, having gone through all that his first year, and if nothing changes on the minutes per game, and he has, you know, made a little bit of a, of a change and, and the minutes per game is staying the same. I, I think I'd be a little frustrated. Um, you know, you know who will tell us if uh, Kaminga is frustrated. Who's close to him. Stephen A. Smith, baby. Oh yeah. Stephen A. Smith got the Kaminga connection. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the, the uh, okay. The, the last thing we'll, we'll focus a little bit on Wiseman here because I think that is like Wiseman playing at a level a little bit higher than than what's expected of him i think that changes the warriors ceiling and you know the warriors are they're going to be one of the favorites to to get far maybe even to win the championship but they did lose key guys right we talked about auto gp who now we know you know it's been stated the only reason that GP didn't come back is because they weren't willing to pay what <laughs> Portland paid. Yeah. So that, you know, that's a that's a business move for for the Warriors. They just did not want to to go higher into, into that tax. So losing those two guys, I think it is a big thing. But we what I think what the prognosticators, what the media is really banking upon is Clay Healthy, Steph back, Draymond back, and they saw how all of the pieces just fit back together and in, into the playoffs. And let's take, let, let, let's, let's take that the whole season again and, and, and see what happens. So I, I, I do think they should be one of the, one of the favorites, but what takes that to the next level is James Wiseman living up to that billing as the second pick of that draft behind LaMelo and, um, and being, that guy and and being the 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 guy who goes out and, and and smashes lobs and plays that verticality and can come and and block shots and get rebounds. I thought he rebounded pretty well. He still drops the basketball a lot, man. He drops the ball too much for a guy uh, with his size and athleticism. So, but you know, if he if he goes to to a place where we don't we didn't think he could go at least in this year. Uh, since he's been, you know, off injured, man, that just raises where the Warriors can go. And that's what will be really interesting is if they get something out of a Wiseman or a Kaminga or a Moody that is a, a different level than what the expectation is, mm -hmm. then that just raises the ceiling and that that'll be really fun to watch. 
Yeah. I mean, I don't want to be like pessimistic on James Wiseman, but like great game in the first game, but I just still see the same stuff that I saw in his rookie season that like kind of bugged me a little, but again, he missed a year and a half, two years or whatever it was like, he's, he deserves that time. And I, and I think that he will be given that time. I just think that it will be a little bit of a little bit bumpy. I'm just wondering at what point in the season, um, you know, he gets more comfortable and mm-hmm. is is able to 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 flourish more because of it. Because you know, we've said you've mainly been the first one to, to say it, like that he should just be a, a rim running, uh, shot blocker, uh, pick and roll guy, just you know, lob threat shot blocker that just simplify his role for this year. I have a feeling that, you know, it's the number two pick, one behind Anthony Edwards, one ahead of Lamelo. You look at yeah, a lot I, of the guys I, I in his draft wrong. class. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter. But Sadiq Bay is is playing really well. Um, even my guy Jaden McDaniels on the Timberwolves looks awesome too. Like, even though that draft class wasn't that superstar studded, like the top three who you look at, Anthony Edwards might be an MVP in this league at one point. We'll see with Lamelo if he gets another piece, but those are some guys right there. And I'm mm-hmm. sure he wants to live up to that. And I'm sure that, you know, he might be trying to do a little too much. And I'm just wondering, you know, this who tells him to, to stop it or who tells him or if he just keeps doing it and at one point it works. Well, you could tell he's he's thinking out there, right? He doesn't want to disappoint when he gets the ball. It's not he doesn't immediately. I mean, I'm sure he immediately knows what he wants to do, but there's this transition into him catching it and then going like there's still that little delay where it's almost like he he's like thinking like he's got to like back somebody down in the paint or something and 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 do some big man stuff. But no, he doesn't need to do that stuff, at least not right now. Maybe, you know, to evolve his game as a true center like that, that may be something that they can work on. But for this team, it just needs to be JaVale. Like, think about how valuable JaVale was for those 10 minutes yeah. when, you know, when he was crushing lobs and blocking shots and, and stuff like, you know, hopefully Wiseman will play more than those 10 minutes. But, man, just be JaVale 2.0 and you know, you're going to be completely fine. Mm-hmm. I just, I think it's really beneficial that he's getting to go up against Looney one-on-one after practice a lot. And he's not scoring on him, which I don't think is the biggest deal. But like, I think once he starts to be able to consistently score on Looney, like I'll feel better because a lot of his shots, like he does the, um, he catches the ball and does like the jump turnaround little hook. Mm-hmm. It's like you're getting two feet above Looney. Like this is just a bunny <laughs> that you just need to put in and you can't get it in because Looney's able to make him uncomfortable and, and keep him off balance because Looney's just a really smart and good defender. I think once he's able to start scoring on, on Looney efficiently, then, you know, it might, it might have been more useful, I guess, to have a seven footer for him to go at. And it might be easier for him to not easier, but the more beneficial if he starts scoring on the seven footer. But I think Looney being there for him to go up, one-on-one against against loon is is going to be uh really beneficial for him this season all right do you want to do your thing about how you're a little worried about who the backup five is going to be if if wiseman doesn't doesn't play well it's not necessarily that he doesn't play well it's just more prone to injury um i i think that i think that you know, they're looking at maybe a Jermichael Green or a Draymond as, as a backup five during the regular season. I don't think that's the right move. I think that they should have used that two-way spot to bring in someone. I was floating Travion Williams. Maybe he's not the biggest five, but he still is a guy who will go get you rebounds. And mm-hmm. I just think that was important because we looked at what happened to Draymond. That mm-hmm. back stuff is like, like, sure, it might not have been on a play where he was playing backup five, but I'm sure, you know, 
having wear and big tear. old wear and tear of like these guys backing you down in the paint and you're having to box out and they're just like, I'm sure that just does wear and tear on your back. And I don't want to see Draymond have to do that in the regular season for that many games, nor do I want to see Jermichael Green have to do it because these are both vets who are probably a little more prone to that kind of injury. Um, you know, that's what we have Loon for. He was all 82 last year. And I think that if James Wiseman, knock on wood, you know, misses some time, I just think it would have been more beneficial to have a guy who's meant to do that instead of having to go small and risking more uh, injury for for some really important guys. Okay, so what do you think about uh, Kuminga at the five? If it gets some more playing time, I'm into it. But I told you and Ben in the chat that I just saw people moving him last year. <laughs> like, you look at Kaminga's stature, and I'm like, yeah. this guy looks like a freak of nature. Like, I wouldn't want to ever see him if I'm in like a drunk, if I'm drunk and he says something mean to me, I'd be like, ah, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> like, he almost looked like he like he doesn't know he didn't like know how to box out NBA players or something. It was kind yeah, of weird. yeah. And it's like people were just like, and they're bigger than him, but you'd think yeah. he'd put up more of a fight, but they were just kind of able to move him in the post. And I didn't think he was able to 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 hold him. And I think Ben said it was like, dude, he's like 18 or 19. <laughs> like, yeah, he's right. He's, you're right. But it just felt like there was something missing there in some type of mechanic, or I don't know if his lower body strength is as great as his upper body strength, but I mean he's able to jump out of the gym, so. So the one thing, one other reason where I'm not really worried about it is they can always find some tall person. Like there's so many, there's so many bigs who are uh, kind of on the fringes of rosters and stuff. I mean, Jordan Bell, is he still playing in uh, Santa Cruz? What about WWE superstar Dwight Howard? (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I mean, that's a possibility of a of a locker room uh, uh yeah scenario but i don't know maybe maybe, maybe dwight howard or boogie who do you want i was gonna say well what's boogie doing yeah i don't know he was at is a, a team? versus scoot yesterday or two days ago is he on... boogie's not boogie's not on a team no no he's not on a team so that's interesting i mean he's out there he knows the franchise uh, i wonder if they kind of have him circled a little bit um but i mean there, there were if you remember that denver series Boogie would come in and he'd flex and he'd get all crazy and he's, you know, playing against smaller guys and he's doing business. And then it's like five minutes later, they're like, no, you got to get Boogie off the court, man. Like the Warriors are just. I was actually, thank you for bringing that up because I was trying to remember who Denver's backup five was last year because I was like, it couldn't be worse than what they have right now. They have DeAndre Jordan right now and it looks awful. And I forgot (laughs) it was Boogie. I'd probably rather have Boogie than DeAndre Jordan. All right, let's uh last thing. I didn't even tell you we were gonna talk about this, but I know this is like catnip for you. What did you think? The matchup, pot the probable one and two picks in next year's draft. They had a little G League showcase the other night on ESPN two. Victor the um I know it's you got it. Like it's a, it. it's a it's a bad it's it's like a thing to you know, Wemby to like just take the easy way out. Yeah. Wembenyama. Yeah. Victor Wembanyama. I think I want to forget that N. I just want to call him Wembayama. The N. I got to remember the N. Victor Wembanyana. People oh, messed yeah. up. Messed it up like that. Yeah. And then uh, Scoot Henderson. What did you think of the the matchup? And I know all eyes were on were on Big Vic there. Like that dude. I was just like, okay, 
is what is he doing here? He's he's like 25 feet out calling for the basketball and just splashing threes against these guys. What's going on? I've never seen a guy. And I guess, you know, we, we've talked about Chet a little bit like the the size and the skill set is similar. But when has got Chet by like at least uh, two or three inches, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think I think when when Benyama is more more skillful as well. But I, I just like how Victor, um, you know, I, I've been on this kid pretty early. And I mean, if you're if you I'm sure everyone's heard his name, but I really wanted to, like, check out his tape. I yeah. think there was the, either the under 19, the U19s or the use. It probably was the U19s, I think, like the Olympic matchup between France and, and the USA's uh U19 squad and that's where I learned who Jaden Ivy was I actually didn't even know who Jaden Ivy was and I was mm. like oh my god this kid's like John Morant and but that's Victor and, and Chet went at it and I d- I'm just happy that you know if you looked at any social media page it was all Victor 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 last night mm-hmm. like I couldn't get through one scroll without seeing Wembenyama so you know and deservingly so the kid is a three level scorer at seven foot four who can block a shot that doesn't seem like you're going to get blocked and he'll just come out of nowhere and block it. There was a play in the first game where he reaches and steals it from scoot, but they call it a foul. And I genuinely believe the ref called it a foul because she was like, how could it not have been a foul? Like, I just, <laughs> and then you look at the replay and it's just arms have out stretched all the way out to tip the ball out of scoots hands. And it was a, it was a clear steal, but he's just going to shock the league. And, you know, I think, um, a lot of people are comparing him to, you know, one of those generational prospects. Like, where does he rank amongst the LeBrons, amongst the ADs, amongst the John Walls at the time, amongst the uh, even Greg Oden? Wasn't he super hyped? Greg Oden and Kevin Durant, same draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, I think when you look at it just from a from a skillful and then you look at the stature perspective, like, how is this guy not damn near number one, a seven foot four guy who could do what a guard does? So he just put that all on display and he was, uh, you know, you look at his stat line, it's like 37 points, like seven for 11 from three. So if you're reading that stat line and just looking player A versus player B, you don't know anything about the player and you see 37 points, seven for 11 from three, you're probably like, oh, Steph or Dame probably just had a crazy game, right? And then you look at one more stat down and you see like, what, four to seven blocks? And you're like, who the hell? Who the hell just did that? Like, who could who could have possibly just done that? Okay, your guy, Barlow. He, I don't know if he does comps or not, but I, I can't think of a comp. Who's Wembenyama's comp? Yeah, there's no comp. Uh, maybe we were hoping Chet played it's good this year. It's probably KD, right? It's probably like a version of, K- like, KD is, uh, you know, he's, he's not as long and he's not, he's not a big, you know, KD is very clearly a small forward, but I don't know. Like, that's the closest I could think of, like, because I'm going all the way back to back in the day, so... There, there was a player uh, named Ralph Sampson out of Virginia, mm-hmm. and he was 7'4", and they paired him up with Akeem Olajuwon, so they were the power forward center combination for the Rockets. And in 86, they beat the Lakers to go to the finals against the Celtics, but the Celtics took care of him. But, like, he's nowhere near as athletic as, as Wimbayama. He can't, mm-hmm. he couldn't handle the ball like Wimbayama. So I don't even know who the comp is, but, like, in my mind, I'm like, can it be Ralph Sampson? There was another guy who the Bulls drafted who was like a seven foot small forward. His name is Brad Sellers, but he wasn't even a really that good of a player. Uh, but the only one I can come up with, like that's it's not even the greatest is, is KD because KD was like the guy, I guess maybe, maybe Porzingis, but Porzingis it probably is like a Porzingis KD thing. Yeah. There's just, he's a one of one. Victor Wembanyama is a one of one. It's hard to put a comp on him. I just feel like the KD comp 
for some reason gets thrown around too much. Yeah. But I think if you were to pin it on someone, I think Wembenyama is probably the closest one to to pin it on just in terms of like a big old dude who has who could create shots like at an elite level. Um, but I mean, Scoot Henderson too. Like I know we talked, we've talked about going to that uh, G League game where it was the Santa Cruz Warriors at Chase Center playing against mm-hmm. the G League Ignite. We went for Wiseman's return, but I mean, number two was Scoot. We wanted to go see Scoot. He didn't play. Uh, unfortunately, it was more Jaden Hardy, Dyson Daniels, and 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 Wiseman. But Scoot is like unreal, man. Scoot's unreal. He went into the G League at age seventeen, I believe. And was able to because yeah, this is his second year in the G League, right? Second year in the Ignite, yeah, on the Ignite, and he was 17 when he went, and he played as probably their best player. I think he was their best player, but he wasn't draft eligible, so he goes back and plays another year. And what he did was like he was so controlled, poised, and like in control of what his offense was doing. Like he was able to get buckets. He he to me looked like a three level scorer who was just so. Um, so controlled when it came to playmaking, he'd drive mm-hmm. in and just make an easy pass uh, right out into the corner or something. And I mean, I think me and Obi had this conversation, but it's like if Jaden Ivy has a good year for the Pistons, and this is a complete hypothetical because I really don't think this will happen. Like we were just throwing out hypotheticals, but if Jaden Ivy has like a really good year for the Pistons and the Pistons are drafting number two, like do you really say no to Scoot Henderson and 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 and, it, and then just like I don't know, trade down or draft another guy? And mm-hmm. it's like no. I think you got to go scoot and then say goodbye to Jaden Ivey. Like, I think a majority of the teams who are going to end up down there, whether it's Houston and they have, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. or whether whoever's down there and ends up getting the number two pick, like, scoot's the guy, man. Scoot's the guy. So, scoot's a 6'3 point guard. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they, when he's trying to compare, he said he's a one of none. So, he's a pretty confident guy. Yeah. I'm excited for you to 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 learn more as the season progresses about more prospects, and I'm mainly interested in hearing your thoughts on the Thompson twins. From well, born in Oakland and then moved to I want to say Florida to play AAU when they were like eight or nine or something, but they are like these six seven or six eight like Kaminga athleticism jump out of the gym. The uh the the better brother who's termed as the better brother right now, I think his name's Amen Thompson. He's like a crazy elite playmaker at like six eight. And can just dunk out of the gym. The only the only knock on them right now from making them like a consensus top, I don't know, like Amen could, I guess, potentially jump Scoot if the guy could just hit a three-point shot consistently. Mm-hmm. Both brothers, it's a tough time hitting the three. But I'm interested in, as the season progresses, like this is an interesting and a pretty loaded draft class with Wembenyama at the top, Scoot number two. And there's like these um, crazy wings from like four to seven, whether it's Dariq Whitehead. I think there's Cam Whitmore and there's the two Thompson twins. Like it's just pretty deep. Yeah, I mean, with you being on this show, we'll we'll do more draft stuff because I know you're you're really interested in it. But uh, before we go, because we both have League Pass, I sent you a note saying, "Hey, I want you to watch this old game because they have the classic games per team. I think there's 15 games per team, and we're not going to go all the way to the Rick Barry Warriors in the 70s. Like, and and plus the the video is not great. But I, I told you to go back to '87. There's a a game. Uh, I think it's a game four Warriors and Lakers. This is the peak of the LA Lakers power 1987. They uh, I think they won like 67 games or something that year. And these little plucky Warriors are have to play them in the second round. And uh, they're getting killed in the first three games. And they go to game fours in Oakland and uh, sleepy Floyd uh, has a, has a game and a half. So, 
I wanted you to watch that game because there's a couple of interesting things in there. And maybe we'll talk about sort of the idea of what basketball was in the late 80s. When I was kind of getting into it, I would have been, I think I was only 10 years old when this game happened. I remember where I was when I watched it, though. And uh, versus how we how we watch basketball now or how basketball has evolved. So I think it'll be a good, pretty good conversation. We won't talk about it today because you still got to watch it. I'm, on, I'm only like halfway through. But it's fascinating. The game itself is so different, but uh, like the Lakers are just like bullying the crap out of the Warriors. Like the, like George Carl is the Warriors coach, and he's trying to find all of these different, like what's going to work against these guys. And Magic is having an all-time bad first half. Like he's getting so mad. But he he's like literally the best player in basketball at that point. 1987, he wins the MVP. So we'll, we'll kind of go over it. And maybe if people listening, if they have league pass, and uh, want to watch that game, uh, you know, shoot us some notes. Uh, you can find us on uh, on Twitter at BSPN shows if, if you watch, because uh, I do want to talk about it. Maybe maybe, yeah, I don't know, a few weeks or so, because the season is coming pretty soon because we're going to miss next week. Um, I am going to be out of town. I'm going to be in upstate New York, so we won't be we won't be able to record. But. Uh, the Warriors regular season starts on Tuesday, the 18th. So that is less than two weeks from now. Um, Warriors and Lakers open up the regular season. And uh, that's is, is that's that's right game, right? Is that Tuesday, the 18th on TNT? I think that's uh, right. I know the Warriors open up against the Lakers. Yeah. So the next time we record will be. Uh, a couple of days after that, unless we decide that, you know, we may, maybe we want to live stream for like a half an hour after the first game or something just to just do something fun. But we'll we'll make sure people find out. We'll tweet about it or we'll write it on the Facebook group or the Facebook page, the BSPN shows Facebook page. So um, but that'll be fun. Regular season's coming. Like I said, we'll miss next week, but we'll be back the following week when I am back in town. And do you want to uh, do you want to talk about the show that uh, you just recently did for oh. the BAM? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we had on Kelly Eco of The Athletic to talk all things Rockets. He is the uh, he's the beat writer for The Athletic covering the Rockets. So he's kind of got all the ins and outs of the team, all the behind the scenes stuff and everything in between. So it was a really good. Uh, I feel like we got off a lot of good questions and he gave off some really good answers. So I think everyone should go check it out. We have I'm just going to say it now. I'm just I'm just going to start saying the guests that we're getting. We got Tony Jones on Friday, Kobe Price of the Orlando Sentinel Sentinel on Sunday. Tony Jones is Utah Jazz guy from the Athletic. So lots of cool guests coming up. You guys got to do your homework, man. Oh, I do my homework. <laughs> I sent somebody your Krasinski pod because um, he said uh, he had reached out to me and he's like, ah, you know, he, uh, he was talking about some other another podcast that I do. And he like was like, oh, I listen to Simmons. I listen to Office Ladies. And then he's like, and I listen to you. I was like, wow, it's a kind of a funny like mix of shows. Yeah. But then uh, he's he said that, you know, because I sometimes on on the, the wrestling stuff that I do, I'll bring up, you know, the Warriors or whatever. And he said he's a Timberwolves fan. So then I shot him the link to your podcast, and he's like a big Krasinski fan. So uh, uh, I told him to listen. So Krasinski's such a good guy, man. Yeah, a guy yeah, like guy. Uh, yeah, I like I knew about Krasinski. I'd listened to him on Zach Lowe's show, and I've heard of him, you know, throughout the. But like when we, I actually got to talk to him. Like, guy's such a cool guy, and you know, he jumped to one of my favorite uh, beat writers, like up there with Marcus and MT, uh, MT and TK. Like he's up there now. 
<laughs> um, all right, so we'll be back. Uh, give us a follow, BSPN Shows, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if you subscribe to our YouTube page, that would be great. Um, and then, obviously, our podcast feed, BSPN uh, Bay Area Sports Podcasting Network. If you can throw us a five-star review, we will be back on Sunday after Sunday late afternoon, 49ers and Carolina Panthers. Uh, we'll, we'll, we're going to live stream after that game. And then uh, the Red and Gold Standard as well. We'll have a preview of that game that we will throw up in the podcast feed probably sometime tomorrow. So lots of content in that feed. If you like Giants, 49ers, and Warriors, uh, it is a nice little place to get some conversation. All right, so uh, for Bry, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out. <laughs>